been looking at the story, I mean the story in the Bible, and today we're going to be looking at the one you don't like at all, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, killing of animals, you know, offerings, all those bits you don't like reading. You know, when you start reading those Bible passages and you just see uh, where the Lord said unto Moses, kill this goat, bring it, uh, take, the, take the head, what is burnt offering, what is grain offering, what is sin offering, what is guilt offering. So we're going to do that in 30 minutes. <laughs> Three Bible passages and we're going to talk about the law, why the law. So please be ready. But before we go, I want, us, I want to show a short video so that <clears throat> you can get a big picture of the story in the Bible. It's not about picking one aspect and neglecting it. So the story builds up. It flows until we get to the end bit, to the conclusion bit. And the Bible says everything is found in Christ. So we're going to watch a short video now. We've got two videos, but we're going to watch a short one now. And then we'll watch another one later. An event seen from one point of view gives one impression. Seen from another point of view, it gives quite a different impression. But it's only when you get the whole picture you can fully understand what's going on. That's so good, isn't it? Have you been reading a novel, a book? Will you be able to get the storyline if you just read 10 pages in the middle? Will you? Can you imagine that guy? Most of us were thinking, wow, he wants to attack this guy until you see the end bit. So you understand the Bible so much when you read everything and then bring it into context, you bring it into, into you, you have a conclusion because you've watched everything, you've read everything. That's why the Bible says all scriptures, they are God's breath. So we can't just isolate one and leave the other. They are part of a story and we ought to look at all those Stories, even the ones we don't like reading, because it, because it makes sense at the end. Amen. Amen. Oh, I don't know how to summarize Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in 30 minutes, but I'm going to try. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've been on a journey. We've read, um, <clears throat> we've looked at the book of Genesis, we've looked at the book of Exodus. Uh, where God created uh, Adam and Eve. And right from there in the garden, you will see how human beings will continue to rebel, we continue to sin, we continue to go against the will of God. The first thing I want you to note is that God is holy. God is faithful. God is good. He doesn't change. We are the ones that are always changing. And every time, what God planned for us at the beginning, to have a relationship with us. He told us to, to have dominion over everything, to multiply, to increase. That was God's blessing over our lives at the beginning. 
But we kept walking away from the will of God. You read the story of Cain and Abel, you know, and God was always doing something to bring us back to himself every time. We'll go against his will, he will do something to bring us back to himself. I use this illustration, or this illustration is so good. You know the sun in Psalm 84 verse 11, the Bible says God is a sun. The sun is so good, isn't it? The sun is so powerful, isn't it? The sun is so pure, isn't it? But it's very dangerous. If any mortar or any corrupt thing approaches the sun, it destroys it. And God is holy, is pure, is good, but we have to come to him, you know, the way he wants us to come to him. So he's always making provision, even when they rebel against him, he's always making provision for, for us to enter into his presence, for us to get back into fellowship with him, for us to fulfill his will in our lives. So we're going to watch this video, it's on the law, and then I will take it off from there. You're most likely familiar with the Ten Commandments in the Bible, stuff we generally take as good advice. Don't murder, don't steal, honor your parents, the list goes on. And those are just the first ten. There are actually a total of 613 commands, all given to ancient Israel, found in the first five books of the Bible, which in Hebrew are called the Torah. Now, the word Torah is usually translated in English as the law because it has all of these laws in it. And as you read through them, you wonder... Am I supposed to obey some of these, all of these? I mean, what's the purpose of the law? Well, that translation is kind of confusing because while the Torah has laws in it, the book itself is fundamentally a story about how God is creating new kinds of people who are fully able to love God and love others. And when Jesus taught about the Torah, he said that he was bringing that story to its fulfillment. So walk me through the story and how it's fulfilled. So the story begins with God creating humanity who rebels. And God chooses Abraham to bless all of the nations through his family, who end up in slavery down in Egypt, and so God rescues them. Then at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with Israel, like an agreement. And all of the laws that Moses gives to Israel are the terms of that agreement. They're like a constitution. And so some of the laws, they're about rituals and customs that set Israel apart from the nations. Other laws are about social justice or morality. And by following these, Israel would show the other nations what God is like. Okay, so the rest of the Torah is just the complete list of laws that Moses gives Israel? Mm, no, the rest of the Torah just continues the story. And the 613 commands are only a selection from that original constitution. And even these have been broken up and placed at strategic points within the story. Now pay attention because you'll see a really clear pattern. Moses gives the first laws to Israel. Yeah, don't worship other gods. Don't make idols. And then right after that, there's a story of Israel breaking those very laws. Yeah, they worship the golden calf. And so Moses gives some more laws. And then you get more stories of rebellion. Some more laws, rebellion again, some more laws, more rebellion. And you start to see the point. Right, no matter how many laws, they're just going to continue to rebel. So at the conclusion of the Torah's story, Moses gives this final speech to Israel as they prepare to go into their new home. And he tells them, you guys, I know that you're not going to follow all of God's laws. You've proven to me that you're incapable. And Moses says the problem is that their hearts are hard and that they're going to need new transformed hearts if they're ever going to truly follow God's law. 
And he was right. I mean, the story goes on to recount Israel's total failure. They go into the land, they break all the laws. Right. Now, the next section of books in the Jewish tradition are the 15 books of the prophets, and they reflect back on the story. For example, Ezekiel, he said that if Israel was ever going to obey the law, God's spirit would have to transform their hard hearts into soft hearts. And Jeremiah said that's when obedience to God's commands wouldn't feel like a duty, but they would be written deep in their hearts. And Isaiah, he promised a future leader, Israel's Messiah, who will lead all of the people in obedience to the law. Now, in Jewish tradition, all of these books together are called the prophets, even the historical books, because they're continuing the story told from the perspective of the prophets. Okay, so we have the law and the prophets, and they're telling one connected story about God's desire to bless the whole world through a people, Israel, who it turns out needs a new heart. Yes, and Jesus saw himself as continuing that story. So he agreed with the law and the prophets when he taught that it's out of the human heart that come the most ugly parts of human nature. It's like the default setting of our hearts is opposed to God's law. But Jesus also said that he came to solve that problem, and in his words, to fulfill the law. So what does he mean there, to fulfill the law? Well, first he said that the demand of all of the laws in the Torah could be fulfilled by what he called the great command, that we are to love God and to love others. So that seems pretty easy. I mean, we all want to love. Well, we think we want to love. But Jesus showed how love is far more demanding than we realize. So he quotes the law, do not murder. And he says, yes, not killing someone is a very loving thing to do. But then he also says that when you treat someone with disrespect or when you nurse resentment against them, you're also violating God's moral ideal because you're not treating that person with love. And so Jesus said true love ought to extend even to our own enemies. So even though this command seems very simple, Jesus showed how our hearts are not currently equipped to fulfill even this basic command of God to love others. And that's kind of a downer. But where Israel failed, Jesus brought this story to its fulfillment. As Israel's Messiah, he fully loved God and others. And he showed all of the nations what God is truly like. He did this through his acts of compassion and mercy and ultimately by loving his enemies even unto death. And after his resurrection, he told his followers that he would send God's spirit to transform their hearts so that they could follow him and fulfill the purpose of the law, to love God and to love their neighbor. So this fulfills the story of the law and the prophets, or in the words of the Apostle Paul, the one who loves fulfills the law. So let's start by reading John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'll read from verse 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you can see from here that it was Moses that gave them the law in order for them to come back into God. 
in order for them to fulfill the will of God for their lives. And before we go further, because we're going to be looking at the different aspects of the law, what it's supposed to achieve. Actually, the reason why God gave them the law, let's read, there was a reason. Let's look at it in Romans chapter 7, verse 7. <clears throat> Romans chapter 7, verse 7. Why did God give them the law through Moses? Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the Lord. For I would not have known what converting really was if the Lord had not said, do not convert. So this is the case. Please listen. People, the Israelites in those days, would never know that they were sinning. They were doing things against the will of God. They were disobedient if the law was not given to them to show them that actually they are sinners. So do you know there was a time in this country that you could use your mobile phone while driving and the police will not arrest you. They will not charge you. And everybody was using it anyhow until they brought the law. Now you know that you can't be using your mobile phone while driving because there is a law now that says you can't be using your phone when you are driving. So actually the law exposes sin. And you will now know that actually the law cannot reform the heart. It deals with the consequence of the sin. Or it deters people from sinning. Okay, are you following me? Don't worry, don't worry. I'm, I'm trying to summarize uh, two weeks uh, Bible school uh, lecture in 15 minutes. Just for you to know that the law was incapable of transforming the life of the people. You know, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Immediately after he was given the Ten Commandments, Moses was the first person to break the law. <laughs> Even the man that was given the custodian that the law came through him was the first person to break it. And actually, what was written in the law, one of them is like, you shall not have any other God before me. While God was giving Moses the law, they were already breaking the law at the bottom of the mountain. So God had to introduce so many laws for them in order for them, and the reason why God was doing it was he was doing everything to make them to come back to fellowship with him, to make them to come back to obey him, to make them to fulfill the reason why he made them in this world. But every time they keep failing, you will notice one characteristic of the people of Israel. They were always complaining. 
You can't imagine old men, old women crying. We don't have any food. We want to go back to Egypt. Any small challenge, they are always murmuring. They are always, they are always complaining against God. Now, many of you think that there were just ten commandments, ten laws. There were actually 613 laws. Excuse me. <laughs> it's impossible for you to obey 613 laws. God himself knows that he can't, you know, it's incapable of transforming them. How can you obey 613 laws? So, the law is divided into three sections. You understand it now. The first one is the moral law. It's like the Ten Commandments. Uh, you, you, you shall um, uh, honor the Lord your God, obey your parents, you shall have no other God before me, you shall not profane the name of the Lord, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. You know, all those commandments. That's like the moral law, the right thing to do. It's like something to make them righteous before God. The second one is the ceremonial law. Are you following me? Or you can call it like the ritual law, like the ritual ordinance or regulation or codes. What does that mean? That kind of law is to make them to actually worship God. So, so many times when you hear about, about fellowship offering, they're giving thanks to God. They're just appreciating God. Out of their produce, out of their sweat, or what they've asked for, they bring things back to God to say, God, I thank you for what you have done. But part of that, those ceremonial laws are also laws that deal with their sins. So if they've committed a sin, they will either bring, you know, either a goat, a sheep, without blemish, and then when they bring it to the, to the priest, they, all of them are in the outer court. There's the inner court that the priest operates. So the priest takes the blood from the goat they brought or from the sheep they brought. They will kill it. And, oh, I don't know that kind of life they live. They sprinkle everywhere with blood every time. Can you imagine they will sprinkle my Bible, sprinkle this, sprinkle everywhere with blood. Then once a year, the high priest, because there are some sins that are unnoticed, that probably they've committed that they didn't know. Once a year, the high priest will take two goats, slaughter one, sprinkle the blood everywhere. And then the other goat will confess the sin and send it to the wilderness. He enters the, the holiest of all, just once a year. You know, that kind of thing is terrible. But they tie a chain around his leg. You know why? If, while he's ministering before God, he makes a tiny mistake, God will kill him there. <laughs> and once he comes out and he forgets his pain, he can't go back in until next year. <laughs> that was the kind of rule. The rules they were obeying. It's, it's so serious. So that's the ceremonial rule. So if they, break, if they break any law, the ceremonial laws or the ordinance or regulations will take care of that. Then there is also the civic law, which is the third one. It's like the social, the social law for justice, how to relate with your brothers, how to relate with your sisters, how to love others, 
um, what kind of food you need to eat, what kind of animals you need to eat, and the kind of animals or food you need to eat is divided into three. Animals on land, on sea, and in the air. <laughs> so wonderful. They know how, the kind of clothes you need to wear. It must cover certain area. It must not leave certain area exposed. The high priest's garment must not make him to sweat. Regulations God gave them, you know, it was precise. If you break that law, so if you break the civic law, the social law, you quickly come back to the ceremonial law to atone for the sins you have committed. And then if you've broken the moral law, you quickly come back to the ceremonial law to atone for the moral law you have broken. So the ceremonial law deals with the sin they've committed. And they keep doing that every time. Every time. Praise the Lord. Do you, did you understand that? So if I ask you, what's the law all about? You'll be able to summarize. So everything you see in Leviticus, God was trying to address their sin, but he still wants to fellowship with them. But the Bible says even those things, they could not take away the hardness of their heart. And God was looking for the transformation in the heart. Even up to now, it is said I think there are about 50,000 prisoners in Britain in the prisons now. 90% of them, prison doesn't actually change their lives. A judge can convict, but can't convert. It's only God, it's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. So when Jesus came into the scene, let's read what Jesus says in Matthew. Chapter 5. Because I, I think that's the area I'm quite interested in. Because God, <laughs> let's see what Jesus said. It was a bit shocking because when you read it, it was a bit shocking. But let's see what happened. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Did you hear what Jesus was saying? Actually, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish or destroy the law or the prophets. I have come to abolish them. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Wow. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, <laughs> see Jesus, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus came into the scene and also said, I've not come to destroy this law. All these moral codes, ceremonial, ritual codes, laws, and the civic social laws, I've not come to abolish all those things, but I've come to fulfill them. What does that mean? Let me give you an example that somebody gave, and I, I felt that's, that's quite powerful. If you have a checkbook, somebody gives you a check. But you see, Jesus was saying, every letter, the small letter, they will write your name, Yanni Koporoglo. 
If you make any mistake, you have to sign on top of that letter. 10,000 pounds. You write it in words. T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D P-O-U-N-D Only. <laughs> O-N-L-Y. All those letters, they are very important. If you make a mistake, you can't cash the check. And then, at the outer end, there's a box. You write one O, comma, O, O, O. <laughs> and then you sign. Can you imagine if I give you that check and you're saying, <laughs> I've got a check, I've got a check. Does it mean anything? Nothing. You have to take it to the bank to cash it. Jesus says, I've not come to destroy those laws, the check, which is like the law, the promise. I have come to bring it to reality. Oh, he says, everything that is written in the check, me, I've not come to dishonor the check, I've not come to disregard it, but to accomplish it. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to bring the reality. The reality is actually found in Christ, not in those law. And because Jesus Christ has cashed the check, you cannot present the check again. Can you imagine you now go the next day? <laughs> and say, it's been stamped. And you say, give me another 10,000 pounds. <laughs> Once the check has been cashed, you don't need the check again. You now live under the reality, which is the cash you've got. Stop living under the law. Jesus Christ has come to accomplish, to bring a completion to the law. That's what the Bible is saying. All the wrath, all our sins, the Bible says he took it upon himself. All the punishment we ought to have, the Bible says he took it upon himself and it became our ransom. All those sacrifices, Jesus Christ has fulfilled them. So, one day, when he was walking on the street, and I think they were doing something on the Sabbath day, the Pharisees, far you see, Sadducees, sad you see, they came around him. Your disciples are breaking the law. You know what he said to them? I've come to fulfill the law. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. All those sacrifices, Jesus has become our sacrifice. So when you read Leviticus, read it, enjoy it. You are only reading a check. When you read numbers, where they are to number the people, you know, and they were still complaining. Do you know it, it got to a point? They kept saying, God. We want to go back to Egypt. Is that what you want to do? Okay, I would. I will make your wish come through. None of you will enter this land. Since you already proposed that you, will, you don't want to enter the land. So God had to start again. So towards the end of Numbers, 
God was now talking to those of the, 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 the little ones that have grown now who will enter the land. All the other people, they perished in the land for 40 years. Can you imagine a journey that should take two weeks because they kept breaking the law? Oh, the law is not good. Stop following the law. There is somebody, the Bible says, who came by grace and truth. The promised land they ought to enter in two weeks. It took them 40 years. No matter how you try, the law is so hard. So, you know, when they talk about tithe and offering in those days, in the New Testament, what do you read? Generosity. In the Old Testament, they talk about tenth, one-tenth of your income. You know what they do in the New Testament? They sell their houses. <laughs> That's under grace. They gave themselves willingly first. But it was from the heart, not an outward thing. You know what makes them happy? Once they bring their tent, they are happy. <laughs> God, I brought my tent, my tithe. You must bless me now. <laughs> you know how some people pray? Say, God, I've given you this money. I want the reward right now. Ten, one 100% reward. Jesus has come to fulfill the law. So in the Old Testament, you have to do something first before God will bless you. In the New Testament, it has been done. Enter into it. So the Bible says, give cheerfully. For God loves a cheerful giver. But not out of necessity. In the Old Testament, they have to do it out of necessity. It is under must. Some people were so happy one day. <laughs> they caught a woman in adultery. They said, Jesus, <laughs> you keep telling us that a man come from God. This woman was caught in adultery. Do you see the foolishness of people? How can you catch just one person committing fornication? Where is the man? You see what the Lord does? Left the man and <laughs> brought the woman. And Jesus said, if none of you have committed any sin, you'll be the first to cast a stone on her. Now, the only person that was qualified to cast a stone on her was Jesus because he didn't have any sin. Grace and truth. So how do I want to end this message today? Because this is very powerful. He said, I've come to fulfill the law. And I would like us to actually pray towards the end. I just want to read a few Bible passages that I want us to read together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. The law made them, they have to obey the moral law. The Bible now says, 
It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. <laughs> they have to obey the law to make that happen. Now, Jesus has done the work. He is actually now my righteousness. He is actually now my holiness. He is actually now the man who redeemed me. Everything is found in Christ. Colossians, let's read Colossians. Colossians, don't worry, I'm, I'm rounding up. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. You know in those days, <laughs> when you are eating, they are watching you. Whether you wash your hand or not. Once you don't wash your hand, <laughs> Mike has said he didn't wash his hand before he's sitting. Then you know what Mike has to do? He has to now go and do the ceremonial law. Obey the ceremonial law before he will now start eating properly. <laughs> Or with regard to a religious festival, all those Passover laws, all those religious festivals, they have to obey it. I even understand that in Israel up till today, they're still obeying the Sabbath. They don't do any work. Even if you have to go through the lift, you don't even press the button, you just stand there. <laughs> Until the lift comes. So the lift can be going to all the floors until you, you are sure that, oh, that you, are, you should be going to fourth floor, then you come out. If it doesn't get you to fourth floor, you just keep waiting there. <laughs> can you see with the, the law? A new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Verse 17. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found where? In Christ. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. In everything. Everything you need is in Christ. So how do I close? If you know that everything is now found in Christ, Acts chapter 16, verse 31. I want to close with that. And then I would like us to just respond. I would like to pray. For, let's pray. We need to pray for ourselves. Acts chapter 16, <clears throat> verse 31. In fact, let me read from verse 30. It makes sense. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? Look at the reply. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. I think I should be able to read one more Bible passage. John chapter 6. Which I like so much. 
John chapter 6, verse 29. What God is requiring from us now is just to believe on him whom he has sent. <clears throat> Look at the question they asked Jesus in verse 28. John chapter 6, verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? I think that's a good question. Some people want to work for God. They want to serve God. They said, we want to work the works of God. What must we do? Look at the answer. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, T-H-I-S. In those days, they would be thinking of the 613 laws. Jesus said, no. Even to do the work of God is just one thing. What is that one thing? To believe in the one he has sent. You know what I, I want us to do this morning? Have you been struggling in your Christian life? Have you been working so hard to earn favor from God, blessings from God? All you need to do is believe. Have you been struggling in your Christian work with God? Sometimes have you been blaming yourself that it's because you have not been active in the things of God? You don't need to worry about all those things. Jesus is our holiness. It's our righteousness. The only thing you need to do is just believe in him. Connect to him. Have you been struggling and, and you've been failing every time? That's what the Lord does. It makes you to fail every time. And you are saying this morning, all I need to do is just believe in him whom he has sent. Are you sick there this morning? Because in those days, when you are sick, there are rules and regulations to take care of the body fluid. You know, you must not touch certain skin if you're a leper. Did you even know what Jesus did? You know those 10 lepers that came to him? When they came to him, what Jesus did was so profound. One, lepers are meant to be outside the city. <laughs> Two, they must never touch the priest or enter the temple. Jesus says, go into the city, go into the temple and show yourself to the priest. He nullified the natural law. The things they were not meant, he didn't even pray for them. And as they were going, you see, that's what I'm telling you. He just told them, go into the city. Some of us, we are calculating, you mean for me to just go into the city? If people see me, they will kill me. Then go into the temple and show myself to the priest another abomination. Have you been calculating? Shame. Jesus has taken your shame. Have you been thinking people will crucify you because of what God has committed into your hand because you believe in Jesus? This morning we are going to pray together. Please, the worship team, can you come forward? Please, I'm so sorry. I'll just take two more minutes. Is that okay? Because we need to pray together today. It's just that, how can you 
goes through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the law in, 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 in 30 minutes. Well, I think we need to pray for each other today. Jesus will break that chain. He has broken that chain. And as these lepers were going, eh, you meet this thing as disappeared. That's what Jesus does. What is impossible with men? God will do it for you today. And if you think you've not really given your life to Christ, this morning is an opportunity for you. So you see, I've said several things. I just want you to just stand up on your feet. If you fall into, please wait, wait. If you fall into that category, just stand up on your feet so that we can pray for you. Stand up on your feet. You're struggling. And we want to believe God for you as we take this song. Please don't feel ashamed. You've been struggling to earn favor from God. You've been struggling. You think you can, you can earn God's favor by your power or might. The Spirit of God will do it today. So as we sing this song, please just rise up on your feet and then I will come back and we'll round up and I'll pray. <clears throat>